Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. I am one of your two co-hosts, Michael Brandvold, and as always, I'm joined by Jay Gilbert. How are you doing this morning, Jay? Doing great. Caffeinated. Ready to rock. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. So we got a special guest with us this week. We do. We have Jason Harris. Um, he's joining us. Um, Jason is a KISS fan. I like him already. Um, and he uh, is CEO of a company called Mechanism that does marketing and advertising. And uh, Jason, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, yeah, I'm, I grew up on KISS, so I am a KISS fan. Yeah. We gotta, no apologies. We got to love that. So, so, so Jason fell into our radar because he wrote a little article um, called Three Things Kiss Taught Me About Marketing. And, and I, I'm speaking for Jay when I say this. Anytime I see a, an article about Kiss that is more than just, hey, here's the 10 greatest songs or here's the 10 worst songs, but it's actually like a business article, I just absorb Absolutely. it. I just absorb yeah. it. Because uh, I, I don't know my my history, Jason is I spent a, I spent uh, seven years working with them, so I I built and launched their website, and uh, I always joke with people that I went to the Gene Simmons School of Marketing, right? Which is just just brag your face off. Right? Exactly, exactly. Perception <laughs> is reality. You know, yeah. you, we 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 know it all. So yeah. So when a when a business article comes along, it's always fun to read it and and get somebody else's take and recognition that it's more than just makeup and it was more than just Beth. Yeah, and I would point out that you know the subtitle of you know his article says you know I mean it's three things Kiss taught me about marketing, but it says iconic band knew how to rock brand storytelling yeah. and uh that is so true yeah i mean i i kind of uh i owe it to those guys for uh setting my path and career really um even though i didn't go down the rock path um I, you know for because uh, my liver still works really <laughs> well but uh, i uh you know when i was a kid i would you know I, I remember it was uh kiss alive Two that album and i had that album when you know you used to have albums and you would look at all the pictures and uh, open that gate fold up open that gate fold up and wish you were at the concert and <clears throat> it was just poured over like every you know artifact every kiss artifact and that sort of you know got my like young mind spinning on the, I didn't know it at the time. I had to reflect on it now. But the the power of story and mythology and imagery and how you know for for building a, a brand uh, that was a band, what that meant uh, to me, and that just sort of set me on my on my course of um, getting into marketing and advertising because that's really what they were. They were marketers and and adver advertisers that that knew how to push their product, and their product was. The mythology around the band and all the accoutrements that came with that from you know lunch boxes to coffins <laughs> yeah. let, 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 let me ask you jason because this this obviously comes up in discussion amongst kiss fans but it's 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 a bigger topic in this day and age of the internet compared to the 70s do you yeah. really think that that type of mythology is even possible anymore Oh, you know, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I think so. Yeah, I do. I think, you know, if you look at 
um, someone like, uh, like, you know, Sia, for example, you never see her face. She just has that, she wears that wig and it's like the black and white wig with a big, um, bow. bow. Well, yeah, the big bow. I think, um, to a lesser degree, you know, she's doing that because she wants to remain anonymous and out of the spotlight. And she forever wrote pop songs for artists and then came out performing her own songs. I mean, I think that's a, that's a form of it where you don't really know who the person is and she's building this mythology behind her um, to a lesser degree than as defined as the four characters in Kiss. But yeah, I think it's definitely possible. She's been incredibly popular and created a character and is doing it her, her way. But I think, I think it can happen um, in, a, in a different form now. In, in all her videos, it's that same, you know, other people are wearing that wig and it's that same sort of imagery and iconic iconography. Yeah, one of the things that you state that KISS taught you about marketing <clears throat> is, you know, find your story. And we've talked about yeah. that a lot, you know, on this podcast. You know, the narrative is really important. And I remember back when you talk about, you know, KISS Alive 2. Um, but even yeah. before that, you know, one of my favorite bands, Cheap Trick, put out their first album. And if you pulled out that inner sleeve, it was one big lie you know it was one big story about the band that just simply wasn't true but it was a great narrative and got people talking and got them interviews and you know tell us a little bit about find your story yeah i think find your story is really um you know the way we do it for brands uh because brands are going to be scrutinized um by a whole host of regulatory arms that you know bands aren't so sure. it's all right for cheap, cheap trick can lie and <laughs> kiss can create but ivory soap maybe not <laughs> yeah exactly but yeah but you know unilever and proctor and gamble i don't <laughs> right those guys to lie so um so in terms of find your story you know for um for brands it's a lot different because when they have to look at finding their story they have to find a story that's going to be truthful uh, and real and can connect with the audience when you're th talking about building mythology around uh, you know uh, like a book or uh, or a band or some other element uh, that isn't regulated you you have a lot more leeway and your story can be uh, more farcical and when you're talking about a brand it has to be true and it has to be real and it always stems from an insight so the best example I always think of is uh, for for Dove, which is just a white bar of soap, they really found the insight that 90% of women they surveyed don't find themselves beautiful at all. So that was something they said, aha, what if we could break that stigma? And this was, uh, I think, in, you know, uh, you know, 2000 something. Um, and so that at the time was breakthrough because brands were always it was always about the what you could be, not what you are. Aspirational, and they really, aspirational, sure. Aspirational, and they really took the path of, hey, there's real beauty in every woman, and let's celebrate that. And they stuck to that theme, you know, for a decade plus, and have built product extensions and product lines off of that. And it's really um, now Dove is a is a major power brand in the Unilever portfolio, whereas before it wasn't, and it all came from a story 
and they sold product around that story. So the two were really woven together. It's not just, well, if we come up with a, a hand wash or a hair wash or whatever, we're going to, you know, make billions and billions. It's really about buying into the products around the story. Yeah. So perception's that's, that's reality, right? I mean, they yeah, created exactly. that powerful connection. And, you know, even as a male, I saw that ad campaign. And I just thought it was beautiful. Yeah, exactly. Now it's connected. And, yeah. Now it's connected. When you think of Kiss uh, doing that, and and they had a story and a mythology that they, they stuck with, whether it's true, it's obviously not. I don't think, you know, Ace Freely's from space. No, but, he actually was, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, after he took some stuff, he was from right. space. <laughs> but before that, he, was, he wasn't. And I think that, um, you know, that, that if you looked at that band versus another band and you purely played it on either skills or songwriting ability or what have you, maybe they'd be evenly matched. Maybe the other band might be, might be better. But that story is what, when you're sitting there watching them perform by yourself, you're just, you know, in awe of them because they have that mythology in the story and it's bigger than a song. It's bigger than an album. Right, and they were never photographed without their makeup. Remember, in the early days, that was pretty groundbreaking, pretty cool stuff. When they played your show, were they in their makeup? Yeah, uh, no, that was oh, a rehearsal. Oh. They weren't. Oh, no. yeah. yeah, but you know the first. Go, but go ahead, I was, Michael. I was going to say, Jason. So, um, do you, when you're building a story, isn't it also important to keep in mind who who your audience is? Meaning. When Kiss was creating that story, their audience were 12 and 13-year-old boys who are very much more likely to believe that Ace Frehley's from Jendel and Gene Simmons is truly spitting up his real blood. But mm-hmm. if you presented that story to, you know, a 25-year-old, they're going to go, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was, uh, I was a 12-year-old boy who really thought he was spitting up Oh, blood. I was too. I, yeah. you know, I thought he was regurgitating his own his his real blood. So, I guess you know, you know, for bands, if you're writing a story, you do have to keep in mind who your audience is. If it's a younger audience, they're more likely to believe anything you tell them because they don't know any better. That's but true. if it's an older audience, they've they've already learned. You know, Santa Claus isn't real. The Easter Bunny's not real. You know, they've they've gone through all of that. Um, but to go along with that, the other thing that I kind of wonder is, do bands actually do need to be concerned with their story being somewhat real? And, and I say this because it's the Internet again. And you can be researched and found to be lying through your teeth within two minutes because someone's yeah. going to check you on Google and Wiki and everything else. And, and and if your story, as great as it is, is immediately found to be nothing but a lie, does your story lose its impact at that point then? Uh, that's a good question. So if, you know, if Kiss was, if Kiss was born today, you know, would they have that, would it work? Power and that yeah. whole, would it work? I mean, it's my, different. it's different, but my gut would say it would. Um, I mean, there's a lot of Scientologists out there, right? Which it's uh, true. There's, <laughs> there's insane clown posse. There's, yeah. Guard, and, and, I, and, there's... I, and I guess some of it has to do with if you as a musician 
are not a known musician. So if this is, you, you've done nothing in your career prior to this, so you have left no history. There's nothing to be found. You know, and yeah. in, the, in the case of Kiss, they, they were not, they were a bunch of kids. Nobody knew who kid, the Gene Simmons was before Kiss. So, um, you know, I think there's a lot, I, I guess what I'm saying is, in 2017, there's probably a lot more factors involved that you need to think about than in 1973. It's just like, oh, let's just put makeup on and never show our faces. Yeah. There was, you know, there, there was no media happening 24-7. There was no people. Paparazzi didn't exist. Yeah, I think if you were doing it now, if you were launching a, a brand like Kiss now, I think you would you would just stick you would stick with that story and you would make up that story and 12 year olds like you and I would know it wasn't true, but we'd be the, we'd be like the 25 year olds who still thought it was immensely entertaining. Like pro and, wrestling. Yeah. And we still you buy know. into it cause we think it's awesome. You know? and, 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 you'd, and you'd probably also go out there and create a couple fake wiki pages to support your backstory and plant a few yeah. old backdated stories fake right news. <laughs> yeah we do some fake news right i mean yeah you know the president doesn't have to tell the truth anymore so that I used to be know. a deal breaker you know yeah exactly, exactly well what do you think about positive versus negative and what i mean by that is with with kiss you know and michael you'll know who the quote was from was pt barnum or somebody said you know the greatest uh you know the, the key to success is to offend the greatest George, number George, of people. george bernard shaw said that there you go i knew you'd know that because it was on that I kiss love video that quote. That's a it's great a great quote. quote, right? And I think that's true to a certain degree, but it wasn't true for Ivory Soap, you know. So there's a positive and there's a negative. You know, I think there's something very powerful to polarization, you know, when you, whether, you know, we could go into the Trump thing or whether it's rock and roll, sometimes when you polarize, it can bring you uh, a base and a very powerful base. But have you ever done that with any uh, any brands, or is it all kind of on the positive is that, side? Is that, like is that dangerous to do with a brand? Yeah. I think it's dangerous to do with a brand um, unless you're in the category of entertainment or gaming. If you're in that category, it's great. Like, we worked for um, – we helped uh, 21st Century Fox launch Rise of the Planet of the Apes, and, and our campaign for that – uh, the story that we found there was that in the movie, the idea is that the apes are getting s as smart as humans and then they surpass humans. And so our, our, our sort of insight there was that apes are, what if apes really were getting smarter? So we created a, a series of fake videos showing apes, you know, firing uh, guns uh, in Africa, you know, uh, uncovering landmines, playing video games. We create a series of fake videos with the with the idea that apes really are getting smarter, even though they weren't, and that tied into the the launch of the movie, and that was sort of the story there. So I think if you're doing a brand that is entertainment based, you know, gaming based, uh, you know, I don't know, book based or whatever, you have the luxury of creating this sort of um, tension behind is it real, is it not? And I think when you're dealing with selling ice cream or deodorant or tennis shoes, you know, the public will kill you if you're, if you're deceptive because 
you know, that, that could harm you somehow because you're consuming those products in a different way. Those aren't mental products. Those are, you know, products you're, you're putting on yourself or ingesting or whatever. So I think it really depends on um, what type of thing you're marketing, uh, whether it's, it's that positive or negative push and pull. Yeah. What's, what's your uh, favorite campaign that you've done that you're most proud of? Um, well, the favorite campaign that, that we've done uh, is a campaign called It's On Us, which is a campaign to combat sexual assault on college campuses. And uh, that campaign w- was our, our proudest because it was um, we took sort of all the tools of working with big brands and selling uh, you know, beer and whatever, all the stuff that we sell, clothes, and we put that communication expertise towards trying to end sexual assault on college campus. So that was that was the the feel good campaign, probably our proudest one. And it was a campaign that that really took off, and colleges have have adopted it, and it's really making an impact. So that's probably our our proudest campaign. And then our our biggest campaign, uh, we did a um, a, a big campaign for North Face, a uh, campaign called Never Stop Exploring that I think was our uh, was global campaign. That was probably our our big big campaign on on for a you know non social good oriented campaign. What 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 are some of the other business slash marketing lessons or ahas or insights that that Kiss have from- given you? Well, I think Kiss, um, you know, one big trend in marketing now is is influencer marketing, mm-hmm. and it's and it's leveraging. You know, you guys probably get hit up for this stuff too, but it's leveraging uh, bloggers, YouTubers, you know, vloggers, podcasts, celebrities. Yeah, yeah, and and it's it's really that old that old fashioned, um, you know how they used to do it on the shows when TV first came out where they would incorporate the brand into the show or they would sponsor part of the show. And that's really what's happening now to, you know, influencers online and, and YouTubers, et cetera. And so there's, that's a big, massive trend. And I think that's all about tapping into someone's community to help build your community. And really the first ever influencer network really started with KISS and it really was the KISS Army and the brilliance of the KISS Army as a as a you know retired officer is uh we're never retired you're always yeah (laughs) that's true it's like the Marine Corps man you're always a member yeah yeah right I have to get a tattoo that's right Uh, but I think the the, there is not no social media nothing like that no YouTube and the idea that they could send in the mail you know, some stickers and a letter and a kit that would get you so fired up that you would be an ambassador for that band. And you would call your radio station to get them played and they would tell you how to do it. But they did it through snail mail, but they created the, the inf- this influencer network, this ambassador program before that was even a thing. Uh, I mean, that's just, that's just hard work and, and just brilliant. I mean, that is, that shows you what smart marketers those guys were or are still. Yep. I don't know. They don't, they don't have to do that stuff anymore, right? Uh, the, the army just runs on its own now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Is, is, there still like a, is there still a big army? Like, do someone, does someone run it? Uh, they, they do still have a, 
official KISS Army fan club on their website that you can join. But, you know, it's more for getting access now to tickets and, you know, that that type of stuff. You know, they, right. they, they don't need you calling radio stations because, you know, KISS is more interested in getting into the Wall Street Journal and CNN now. Right. Do you know, um, I have a question for you since you're, you guys are, are experts. How did they, when did they first, like, go from playing to playing with makeup? Well, so, and actually I think it was just the 30, January 31st, and I want to say 40, uh, you know, Kiss fan hears this, they'll correct me instantly, like a good 45 years ago, maybe closer to 50, they played their very first show, and it sort of had pseudo-makeup. So they never really completely played just without makeup. But they had yeah. they started with more of like a... Um, without the white face, for example. Yeah, it was more of a New York Dolls glammy... Little Alice uh, Cooper. Yeah, oh, I, yeah. It hadn't gone to a complete character yet. It was like d- like dark stuff around their eyes. Yeah, yeah, it, was, yeah. it was like, I, I think, if I recall, Gene had his stuff around his eyes, but he didn't have white face. Yeah, I see. So, but it quickly evolved from that straight into full-on white face makeup. You know, real costumes didn't appear right away because back then they were just wearing, you know, again, they were a bunch of kids who had no money, so they were wearing... Jeans and black leather, you know. Black leather pants, blue jeans, um, you know, flowery tops from their mom or their wife. You know, the whole glam era of the <laughs> of the very early 70s. I mean, they were actually shopping for um, leather studs and stuff like that at, at gay S&M shops in, in, in New York City back in the early 70s. That's where they'd buy the collars. And, Who hasn't done that? Yeah. You yeah. Know, that was the only place you could buy that stuff. Yeah. Jay's got a whole closet of that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, looking I, for an excuse. I, I don't. I don't think the co- the full on costumes really hit until maybe a, a year, year uh-huh. into it. And I wonder if there's like when that hit, their popularity just took off, right? Well, it was- you know, they're 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 an interesting they're an interesting story. So from seventy three to seventy five, they basically couldn't sell records to save their life. Although they released three albums, they couldn't sell. But as a live act, they exploded. It it was just, you know, and that's what they're known for even today. In your face, explosions, a show, you're going to get a spectacle. And, And if you think back to what they were doing in 73, nobody was doing that. Yeah. So, So people truly were jaw dropping going, oh my God, there's this band... With a huge logo on stage, you know, there's branding right there. Yeah, no, nobody was doing that in '73, but Kiss put together this huge, lighted logo, and they had a logo on stage. They were breathing fire and spitting blood, and they were, they were shocking you. Yeah. Now yeah. you know today in 2017, you look at what they do, and it's it's as safe as going to Disney. You know, another concept that I think Kiss brought to the table. And, and maybe this applies to brands, but you tell me, is bigger is better 
you know, overwhelm people, just go over the top, you know, uh, you know, make their jaw drop, never forget what you saw. I mean, how does that apply to branding? Well, I don't think that, um, I don't think that's the same today in branding. I think, um, bigger isn't necessarily better, but I think how that applies today is through, like I would say, instead of bigger, it's like first, like doing something never done before, right. which is th today's version of bigger, is like um, I'm doing this like round Super Bowl roundup thing on, on the news tomorrow, and I was doing some research for it, and um, like Snickers is doing the first ever live Super Bowl ad, so it's going to be filmed and put on air live, and so wow. that's an, that's like the kiss version of doing that. That's like the head, like what's kiss always thought of what's the PR headline, right? You know, what's, what's the thing that's going to be in the news. that's going to get us talked about. And I think brands take that bigger or better. And they look at it as, okay, well, um, this is, this has never been done before. That's why, you know, everyone that whenever there's something that comes out, brands race to a new social platform or they race to do VR first or they race to whatever the next thing is. They, it's like this like marching army. They all try to like get in there as fast as they can because that is what captures people's attention. So today it's about innovation, not necessarily like the big over-the-top show. Sure. So like when, when REI, uh, you know, last holiday did the opt-out and, you know, uh, for Black Friday where we want you to go outside so we're closing all our stores that is a stunt that gets, you know, talked about, and that's the version of bigger. sure. That's yeah. a really good point because it gives the press something to talk about. Yeah, but it's got to be increasingly difficult to do something that hasn't been done before. Yeah. Yep. And so that's so just doing like like if you applied that bigger idea to a Super Bowl ad, just shoving in the most celebrities into an ad and doing the most expensive ad in the world, that's not going to necessarily make a, the same dent today. You know, people are a little immune to that. Uh, but it's all about what's the, what's the thing I've never seen before. That's how people. Do you, do you, yeah. do you think to go along yeah. with that, it, ha it also has to be genuine meaning in, in this, in this day and age, people can see through an, a fake, a fake attempt to be the first at something, you know, if, if, if somebody, saw what REI did, but then it's like, oh, wait a second, but REI really doesn't believe in that. They're just doing that for a PR stunt. That can backfire on you. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think you have to, it has to come from uh, a belief that you have and, uh, and then it has to, you know, you have to, once you, once you make that, um, like Audi, for example, they came out with an ad uh, that just launched, it's going to launch at the Super Bowl, but it's about um, uh, uh, a, a girl in a boxcar race against all these guys and you hear the male voiceover and he's talking about you know how do I explain to my daughter that men are worth more than they are and then it ends with like at Audi we're committed to equal pay for men and women you know very progressive idea Wow! so, so they had to commit to that it's, to, to your point they had to commit to that because they knew 
if they had an ad like that and they didn't do it internally, they'd get blasted for sure. it. Sure, if some of their female employees came like, out and said this getting... is bullshit, yeah, exactly. Then that that could backfire to Michael's point in a huge way. But I, I love that that type of ad because, especially today, we're very very sensitive to political correctness, fairness. And especially you, in this well, people, people jumping on the bandwagon. I think, yeah. I think we're we maybe in in to the point of it's it's not fair, but we almost mistrust anybody first. It's like, oh, you're just doing that because you want a headline. Yeah, and and then it's sort of like now prove to me you're really doing that. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and I think people, you know, and I've always said this to bands. It's like if you believe in something, if there's a charity, if there's a cause you believe in, get behind it. Scream for it. Yell for it. But don't go find the latest cause and jump on the bandwagon because someone's going to go, well, how come you haven't been supporting it for the last five years? Why did it just start last weekend? Yeah. Yeah. It must be hard to market to younger people. I have two teenage daughters and they're not like me when it comes to advertising. You know, I love looking at the ads and seeing how they're shot and lit and what they're trying to say and see how silly they are and if they're meaningful and I have no problem with that. They're, you know, they're of the YouTube generation where they after 5 seconds they skip past that ad. They don't want to be marketed to, you know, you, it's a whole different way to reach different audiences, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I yes, but I still think um you have to think about you kind of today you have to be the thing that's entertaining and if you can do that as a brand and entertain your audience you're going to go a long way. Um, but I, I guarantee you you're, there's brands that your, your kids love because they've entertained them or spoken to them in a certain way. Sure. And they might, they might not watch ads, you know, in a linear fashion, but they're watching that, you know, Nike girls soccer video that's oh, yeah. towards them. Yep. Two minutes long. Uh, that's some long form, you know, piece of advertising. So I think yeah. uh, marketers have just had to do, they've had to be crafty in how they're talking to that audience, but it all also has to be way more entertaining than ever before. And it, the, the, like, we call it the candy and the medicine. There's like the medicines inside, but it's wrapped up yeah. with all this entertaining candy. That's a good point. Yeah. And it's like your Audi yeah. example. My daughters love those commercials. Like there was one a while back, you know, you run like a girl. Yeah. You know, right, my, yeah. My daughter is a, you know, like a world-class sprinter. And she says to boys, yeah, you wish you ran like a girl. You know right. what I mean? And yeah, we, all, no. we always love those kind of where they take something, you know, kind of negative and turn it into an empowering kind of positive. Uh, yeah. So I do think that, you know, entertainment is important. And then I think, uh, I think to, your, to your point about um, when you were saying to, to um, bands, if there's a charity you like, you know, make sure you like it and then go with it. I think uh, companies now, it has to be part of, whether they believe it from the beginning or not, it has to be part of their marketing strategy. They have to figure out what they stand for, what their DNA is, how they yep. can support that DNA. And before, they didn't necessarily have to get that 
level of detail. It was more about like mine thing cleans up better or kills germs more. It was way more base. But now it's like, all right, we kill germs and we believe in climate change is real. And we're saving the planet by having non-toxic chemicals. And we're going to show we're going to prove that by donating a portion of everything to blah, blah, blah. So it's it's true, but it's wrapped up in the creation of the brand. Whereas we, you know, before they didn't have to do that. Now they they're forced to make that part of the brand, and by making it part of the brand, they have to believe in it. Um, but that's just the world we live in now. You know, you have to have. We expect brands to be uh, do more than just sell us products, um, and that's gonna you know. Well, I, you know, I I think we expect brands to be honest. You know, yeah. transparent. We expect you to be transparent. We expect you to tell us what you think, what you're doing, why you're doing it, what you believe, what you feel, blah, 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 all, all of that stuff. And and again, there's almost a mistrust that if you're not telling us that, well, then why aren't you telling us that? What are you covering? So, uh, you know, I think... Yeah, the, I think in, that's a good point. In yeah, Michael, day, remember in this, the... Go ahead. I was just going to say, in this day and age, for <clears throat> bands and brands, you have to be transparent. Yeah, it reminds me of that pizza commercial a while back where basically the pizza company came on and said, look, our pizzas, you know, they used to be kind of crappy. Yeah, and, Domino's. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We, we listen to you. We're going to make them better. I love that. I just thought that was you never hear people, you yeah. know, be honest in advertising. It's like, yeah, the pizzas maybe were a little crappy. And I love the fact that maybe they're going to start using real cheese, you know, or something yeah. like that. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was awesome. How do you think? The new. I have a question. How do you think the new world order of authenticity, if you guys are still in touch with with you know Kiss, has it impacted those guys at all? Have they had to change the way they market at all? Well, I th I think what has changed for them is the the mystique, the mystery is no longer what they're driving anymore. That that's gone. That's over. Um, what 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 they've changed to is being more almost honest up front about what they think, what they believe, what they want to support. You know, they want to support the troops. They support wounded warriors. Um, you know, they're very patriotic. We're donating money. You know, they're they're coming out and and where maybe. 30 years ago, they did this stuff, but they did it quietly behind the scenes. Yeah. They're now saying, we're proud to do this. This is what we're Yeah, and we're I would about. only add, <clears throat> excuse me, I would only add to that. I think that's spot on. <clears throat> but they've also, each of them have written a book and been even more transparent about themselves, their beliefs, the band, the interactions, the relationships, all of that stuff. And, and that serves that well as, as well. You know, I think what they are is they're still very protective of the overall brand image of what KISS is. What the general public sees, that logo and the, the four makeup faces, that's very important to them. And they understand that because I think what they've realized, they didn't, I'm sure they didn't think about this in 1973, but that logo and the makeup they created has become bigger than the people who wear it. Mm -hmm. It's become bigger than the band because, uh, you know, I think it's a safe statement to say you could pretty much go anywhere in the world 
that's had some connection to media and you could show them a low kiss logo and they'd go oh i i know what that is i may have yeah. never or seen the them i may have never heard a kiss song but i know that's the kiss logo or jeans makeup right. i know who that is that's the guy from kiss i've seen that yeah i've seen that they may not know who the person is under it anymore that that's that's no longer necessarily important and i think they've they've accepted that to the point where gene and paul have even said this band will continue without us in it. Wow, that's amazing. You know, so the yeah. ma the makeup, the attitude, what Kiss as a brand represents can live on if the right people are in that makeup. It doesn't have to be us anymore. We have we have created something that grew so big. And 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 I think yeah. that's I think that's a true statement if if anybody's honest about it. I mean, we're not talking about the musical abilities here. We're not talking about whether it's a good band or a bad band, but if you just look at what they created as a brand, it really has grown bigger. huge. Bigger, bigger, than than, bigger than anything. Right. And you can tell even by going to see them today with Eric and Tommy in the band. You know, two of the founding members are not in the band. And outside of maybe the core hardcore KISS fans, there's not a huge opinion there about whether it's not KISS, it is KISS. They're still filling up arenas. People are still going to see them for that overall brand, that overall experience of what they are. And I see those iconic faces, those makeup you know, heads on all sorts of merch everywhere on kids, on grandparents. I mean, it's it's a juggernaut, you know, and there's very few bands outside of maybe the Rolling Stones tongue logo or, you know, something like that. There's very few bands that reach that pinnacle. What I what happened when like, <clears throat> you know, part of part of that article was like, find your story and stick with your story, which kisses done for the most part really well. What happened in that period? Because I kind of blocked it out. What happened in that period where they they had that like comic strip album where they were unmasked, unmasked. kiss, kiss yeah. unmasked? Like, well, what happened and did the brand slide backwards to go forward? Well, yeah. So you know what what kind of happened in that period was they were still makeup, even though it was an unmet called unmasked. They still wore wore makeup, so it was a crazy branding concept. But they lost their focus as to who they were. They lost the focus of what their product was. And their customer base, their fans, started ditching them and leaving. And, you know, we're not a fan of this anymore. Now we like this new band Van Halen or we're into... Yeah, they, they weren't dangerous anymore. They, they, Remember they, yeah. in 75, 76, 77, they were They were dangerous. not the demons now they on were, the cover of Destroyer. Yeah. They were cartoon they, characters. Yeah. And And... There was even an interview in the late 70s, early 80s, where Paul Stanley had said, we noticed we something was wrong when our audience was now filled up with four-year-old and five-year-old kids. It wasn't 13, Ooh. 14, and 15-year-olds. It was, yeah. all, you know, all this, that changed. And and I think what what saved them out of that whole concept was they took the makeup off. They just said, all right, that brand doesn't work anymore. Society has moved on. We need to change and evolve and create a new product for them. And then, you know, in 96, they brilliantly realized that nostalgia is back. And all of the people like us who remember high school of how great that Destroyer album was, 
were like, oh, my God, you mean I can go see them again? They put the makeup back on. They got a so reunion. So how long was that stretch? Of um, like 83 seven, to 17 years, I seven, think. About 17 years they had no makeup on. And people still went and saw them and they yeah yeah. Stuff? yeah, but it was tougher because now they were just bundled in with the Bon Jovis, the Def Leppards, the Poisons. Poisons, They sure. kind of oh, looked well. like everything else. The bands that they influenced, they were now just at the same level. But it kept them alive, you know. And, and again, I think as a business, you look at that and go, well, you know, sometimes you're – your product, your ivory soap is the best thing in the world, and then things change. But how do you keep your product alive until it comes around again? Product cycles. So in a way, that was them coming out with a new product line. Exactly. It was a, it's brand, cyclical. New, it was yeah. a brand new product. 96, they went back to the old product. But what they realized at that again. point in time was, and this to me I think is brilliant, because they've now embraced those four-year-old and five-year-old kids that back in 79 they were afraid of and knew something was wrong. Now they want that five-year-old kid to come to the KISS concert and get hooked on KISS because they're going to grow up and be a new generation of fans mm -hmm. just like their parents were fans. Right, right. I mean, right. And, and again, as a band... Can we really name many bands that can do that? You know, when the no, Ro when the Rolling Stones are gone, they're gone. You can't put another Mick Jagger in. No. No, you can't put another Keith Richards in. U2 is the same way. Black Sabbath is the same way. Yeah, but not Menudo. Yeah, but Menudo, where are they? <laughs> Blue Man Group. Blue Man Group, but yeah. Blue Man Group, that's a good example. Blue Man Group. Also got Van Hagar. For a little well, while. There. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, I so mean, your, your point's well taken, Michael. You, you, yeah, you definitely. know, I think, I think that, that's what I have always found interesting. As a KISS fan, but as a marketing and a business person, I look at this and go, my God, what they've gone through is an amazing product cycle, reinventing, embracing a brand new customer base where, again, 30 years ago, they would have been afraid of that customer base. Now they've changed their mind and said, we want that customer base. It's interesting that they, I wonder what the conversation was in 96 when they're like, all right, first concert, we're putting our makeup back on. You know, I would venture to say it was more of a um, survival instinct. Yeah. yeah. You know, because you got to remember yeah. in, at, at that period of time, that was grunge showed up and destroyed anything that was classic right. rock and hard rock and heavy metal was big. hip hop yeah hip hop was big yeah you know, in fact like, it was so, Tupac who introduced them you know when they came back yep. you know at the Grammys with makeup and also remember that it was the, re the reuniting of the four original members in I 96. remember that yeah that was you know true. so it was a perfect storm and there was electricity i mean it was exciting to and and i don't know any band really who could kind of recreate that excitement that they had that many years before Maybe the Beatles. You I'm know, sure they were like they were hoping for that, but they had no idea it was really if it would work no. or not. You know, and again, no. I think yeah. it it it's sort of like uh, you know when McDonald's introduces the McRib. You know, they had no idea that would turn into a little phenomenon itself. It right. was just like, hey, right. let's just introduce it. Yeah, you know, because it's, it's a, delicious. It's a product. And and it's disgusting. Exactly. <laughs> well, it is, but as it, are most of my favorite it's, foods, it's taken on a cult status. Delicious, we can't disgusting. deny that, right? 
Right. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's plenty of people that would say Kiss is a disgusting band. That's sure. true. That's true. They're a McRib. They're the McRib of America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. Wow. All right. This uh, is full circle. Jason, this was an Love awesome, it. fun chat. Love chatting with somebody who's a Kiss fan, but also gets the branding, the marketing. Oh, the yeah, man. That's it's, why I'm a fan. It's, it's, so it's, it's so exciting. Yeah, it's been a great conversation. So if, if people want to reach out to you, Jason, where can they find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at, at Jason underscore Harris. And um, also, my uh, you can, they can find me at uh, mechanism.com is my company, M-E-K-A-N-I-S-M.com. You can love find all the there. space references on your site. Are you a NASA yeah, fan at all? You no, know, I, li- I like to go to space one day. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, me too. I, I, I caught that. All right. my, he- my head's in the cloud most of the day, so, you know, I might, as, right. well go, I might as well go all the way. All, all right, right, Jason. Guys. Thank you so much, Pleasure. man. Take thank care. You. Thanks for having me. Thank all you, right, brother. You all right. See you guys. Fun conversation. Yeah, I hope yeah, I hope we it, didn't get too too deep into the Kiss world for for some of our listeners. But again, I think set aside any preconceived feelings or notions you may have about the band if you don't like them. Look at what they've done from look a at the marketing, brand. a brand, Absolutely. and a business standpoint. There are lessons I, to be learned there. Yeah, I promise you, you will learn something from them. Well, you put out something, Michael. Tell me, talk about for just for a second for those who haven't seen it. You put out something. Yeah, yeah, similar, co- but not co- exactly yeah, co- couple, the same. A couple years ago, did. I released a, an ebook called "The uh, Eleven Things I uh, The Kiss School of Marketing: The Eleven Things I Learned Working with Kiss." Um, and we'll put a link up here for everybody, but you can go to Noise Trade Books and you, if you search for Michael Brandvold or Kiss School of Marketing, you'll find it. It's a free download, easy to read. But yeah, it's it's just simple marketing business things that you can take away from kiss and apply to yourself it has nothing to do with their music Uh, you could hate the band but trust me you would still you would still be able to walk away and, and learn a little something here um there are great lessons you know yeah and and you have to respect the fact that kiss or any band or any product that's stood the test of time for over 40 years of changing cycles and likes and dislikes in the world and is still there, there's something they did right that you should pay attention to. Yeah. Yeah, good conversation. Fun conversation. Fun, fun, fun. All right, that's it. Music Biz Weekly Podcast. We're out of here.